Welcome to Season 6 of the Farm Trainers Podcast, Episode 22, published on January 30th, 2024. Amazing how fast the month went so far. The year is just beginning. We are part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts. This episode, we'll be talking with Lorraine Cresmano from The Girl Behind the Gun on how she entered into the firearm training business. Help us help more instructors by giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and also share our episodes with other instructors and maybe even some of your students. As Lorraine talks, uh, she shares it with some of her students from time to time because not all our topics are trainer uh, exclusive. So if you students find value in it, feel free to share. We'll sit back for another episode of the Fireman Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by friends at the FTA, the Fireman's Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and the competitive pricing. If you are a certified instructor, whether through NRA, USCCA, or through a law enforcement uh, post, you qualify for FTA coverage. And remember, listeners to this podcast can 10% offering policy by using promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the team at Mountain Man Medical. Responsible fire instructors have trauma medical gear on the range and are trained to use it. Mountain Man Medical provides the highest quality name brand medical gear on the market at a guaranteed lowest price. Check out the Wind River Kit, especially designed for firearm instructors to have at the range. The Yellowstone is perfect to have on your belt or in your bag anywhere you go. Learn more at mountainmanmedical.com and scroll to the bottom and click on available discounts to learn how firearm instructors can save 15% off the already guaranteed lowest prices on the market. And don't forget to click on the training link to take the emergency trauma response video course for free. Get the right gear and the right training at the best price anywhere on mountainmanmedical.com. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every one of you, the fire instructors in America that dedicate time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Lorraine Cresimano from The Girl Behind the Gun. Welcome, Lorraine, and thank you for coming on the podcast today. Good evening, Rob. Thanks for having me. Well, for those that don't know who Lorraine Cresimano is, can you give us a little bit of your background on what you do? Um, okay, so I am a range officer. Um, but before I became a range officer, um, I actually knew nothing about firearms and, um, my husband actually got me in interested in firearms and a friend of mine owns a shooting range and he needed a female officer. And I wasn't really that familiar with firearms, but he told me to take some classes and I learned and, um, he took me on as a range officer. He trained me. And I just got bit by the shooting bug and I've just been having a lot of fun with it. Well, how long have you been, have you been shooting that? Um, just for about five or six years. Okay. So relatively new about it, which, uh, is, is one of the, one of those things where it's really good because quite honestly, you're the demographic that's growing the mostly in the firearm industry being, you know, females that are first time shooters for it. Female. And the, Shooters and I'm right on the border of um, New Jersey where they're starting to issue carry permits now. So we're having um, a huge interest um, from New Jersey shooters too coming over. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's uh, really nice. Um, here in Ohio, we've got it kind of almost reversed. We're in constitutional carry, which is forcing us to change from our standard concealed carry courses over to offering more 
what I'll call boutique classes, boutique from the standpoint of uh, we can teach what we what the students need versus what the state says that we have to uh, provide. The only downside to it is, guess what? Nobody's forcing them to come to us. So we've got to work on our marketing and everything to appeal to them. So different areas, different challenges. Yeah, you should always be training, though. Yep, definitely. And if only all my students listened to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lorraine, um, can you give us a little bit more about um, how you got into the shooting sport? You said your your husband got you you involved in it, um, but was it just one of those things? You woke up one day and said, "Hey, take me to the range." No, actually, we started getting. We decided we wanted to get some firearms in the house for um, personal protection. Uh, we run a home business and our, a lot of our clients know what our address is. So it was starting to make us a little uncomfortable. So, um, we started with getting a firearm in the house and my husband started training me. Then, as I said before, a friend of mine owns a shooting range up here in Dingman's Ferry. Um, and I started out as being, um, taking the NRA pistol course. And I was a range officer. And then I started taking our, uh, we have um, one of the guys at our range is a retired law enforcement officer. And he started doing some class like tactical classes, introduction to tactical classes. And I started taking them because he was willing to work with me at my level, which was pretty low. Um, and I took the classes two, three, four times. And um, I was really starting to enjoy it. He had me starting to um, assist him with teaching some of the night classes, like beginner pistol, beginner rifle, uh, children's classes, uh, the beginning women's classes. And um, from there, I was taking more classes. I went to the NRA rifle class. I got my USCCA certification. Um and I was just absolutely having fun with it. I have hours and hours of YouTube um, uh, searches for anything to do with firearms. And then I started, once COVID came, I started taking over the beginner class, teaching the beginner classes and the women's classes. Um, and now we're going back to having the children's classes again. Well, that's good because... Uh... The one thing I always tell people, it's great that adults are going out getting their training and such, but realize that in a lot of cases, you've got either kids in the house, you've got, you know, grandkids that are coming over, nieces, nephews, uh, neighbors potentially coming over. And that's where making sure the kids have the training to know what to do when they're around a gun uh, is extremely important. And for those kids that are uh, old enough, and I would, you know, there's going to be emotional maturity there, just not an age number, uh, you know, show them what shooting can be and show them that it can be enjoyable. And the one thing I point out to people too, if you start the kids out early and they do well, do you know that the number one, uh, div uh, division three scholarships that go unused in the NCAA are the shooting scholarships. So if you can get your kid nationally ranked, you're almost guaranteed a, uh, full ride scholarship. Now think about that for your, uh, you know, eight year old kid right now. Might, might be worthwhile getting them uh, set up on a trap league or a pistol league or a rifle league, something like that. Absolutely. We even had, I even actually was just training um, a, a young boy the other day who is into the airsoft uh, teams. Mm -hmm. 
he was taking an interest that way and he came to the range. He actually wanted to learn how to shoot 22s, nine millimeters. Um, but, you know, but even as far as the safety goes for the kids, even if they go to their friend's house and their parents have a gun laying around, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't know how responsible the other families are where you're sending your child out, not just the safety of what's going on in your own home. Right. And, and put this way, it doesn't even have to be necessarily going to a friend's house or a family member's house. Uh, there are neighborhoods that I know of where they've got quote unquote community guns that they hide underneath trash cans, hide in bushes, different places like that. Think about if you're, you know, think about if one of the kids came across a gun there, what would they do? Oh, would, they look, would they look down the barrel to see if it's loaded? You know, which is hopefully they would say no. Would they pick it up and wrap their you know fingers around it and you know have their finger on the trigger? Hopefully not. Or are they going to go along and find an adult and you know have the adult take care of it? You know what whatever the situation is, and that's where you've got to start early because kids are inquisitive. Have you ever been around young kids? I mean, when they're you know eight, nine, ten months old, they're pulling themselves up on things and they can start pulling things down on top of themselves. You know, when they're a year, two years old, they're pushing things into, uh, you know, electrical outlets and doing things like that, you know, crawling up and down stairs. And what do we, what do we do? We got to train them not to do it or else bad things happen. If you think a gun is safe on top of a refrigerator in a closet with a young kid, you're mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of hazards around the house that everybody's used to, you know, lock locking up or making sure it's out of uh, reach the kids. I mean, you know, America, you know, we've got medications all over the place and well, you've got to make sure that they're locked. You know, they got childproof caps on them just because of that. Um, for, uh, you go along and you've got, you know, you know, steak knives, you know, in the kitchen or, or different cutting knives. Again, you make sure they're not within reach of young kids because they will hurt themselves or somebody else. You teach them a stove is hot, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? When he comes right down to the basics, you teach him a stove is hot, you know, teach him, you know, the basics of firearm safety. Yep, exactly. And that's where, um, one of the things I'll, that I did with my, uh, with my kids was I started them out early and perfect example, how, if you train them early, it helps. When my son was six years old, we were at a baseball field and he was a baseball practice. My daughter was three years old. Well, what do three-year-olds do? They play in the mud, right? Mm-hmm. Well, sh- there was a fresh pile of mud that had been dumped there, um, you know, sometime, you know, the week before that she was playing with, you know, nice, loose mud and everything. Well, she comes over to my wife and hands her a 24, 25 cal- caliber cartridge and goes back to playing in the mud. Now, somebody what? probably lo- lost that at, you know, at that, you know, pit, you know, wherever they were dug, dug it up at, uh, mm-hmm. but at the same, at the same time. How many three-year-olds might have gone along, try to take two rocks and smack it or do something, you know, along those lines, uh, you don't know. And that's no. where, you know, I talked to her and it's like, okay, you don't touch us. And when she saw it, she, she knew immediately, okay, I don't do anything. I just bring it over to my parents and go back. You know, she wanted to play. She didn't want to do anything else. And right. that's, that's a good thing. Uh, that where the training early on came about. Yeah. I didn't start her shooting until she was about eight years old, but she had a respect in case she saw something, you know, laying around, uh, by accident, uh, what to do and what not to do. Cause I didn't make it a mystery. I made sure she understood, uh, you know, just like knives and power tools and different things like that. 
It's never too young to start them, even on the simplest things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ex exactly. Well, Lorraine, what kind of training? Uh, you said you did the USCCA and you, and you did some tactical training. Uh, have you taken any other kind of training to get where you are today? Um, well, when I first started uh, my firearms journey, I joined an organization called, at the time it was called the Well-Armed Women. Now it's Armed Women of America. Um, and they um, will accept any women at any shooting skill level, and they will train you at your pace to be comfortable with firearms. So on top of taking the tactical classes at my range, I was also uh, a member, well, I still am, a member of Armed Women of America. Um, and I uh, actually started also basic hog hunt. This organization I belong to, CNJFO, they had for fundraisers, they had hog hunts. I never knew how to hunt before. And it was a super, <laughs> it was a super basic hog hunt where basically you're on the Moore's uh, Widowmaker Island in the Susquehanna River. And they only take, uh, we were like 15 or 20 people. And basically you go arm to arm and you sweep the island and you look for the pigs that they dropped on a couple days before. Um once again, super basic. If you see the pig, everybody else has to stop and you're allowed to shoot your pig. Um, but that being super basic, super intro um, into hunting, I've actually gone out hunting now. I've, I've harvested a, a bunch of deer and I have all the gear and I absolutely enjoy the hunting now too. Um, mm. What other courses have I taken? Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I was actually, uh, also I was at Gunsight um, last year. I was awarded a um, a one-week scholarship out there to their 250 pistol class. And um, let me tell you, that was an amazing experience. A full week of um, pistol shooting, drawing from a holster, um, a lot of time shooting, learned an awful lot out there. Um, so they do yeah. offer yeah, Ken Campbell's uh, got a great group of guys out there and that uh, run run his courses for him and everything. Oh, they do. I can't wait to go back. I really can't wait to go back there. Um, so I took training out there. Um, and like I said, I constantly do training at our range. We have um, some guys there that um, do some training there and they offer the courses to all the people that work at the range. Um, and uh, we do like... Uh, pistol rifle combo training. We do trainings like to fight your way out of an automobile. Um, we do a little bit of force on force training. So actually come a long way, I think in five years. Um, but I was never afraid of it. And um, uh, that's one reason why I think I'm having so much fun with it. It's because I was never afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Have you gotten into the competition aspects of it so far? Uh I've started doing the indoor uh, Glock shooting sports uh, indoor competitions over in mm -hmm. uh, Dunford, New Jersey. Um, and now being a chapter leader for Armed Women of America, I am trying to get my women um, to, to the point where we can go to um, a basic NRA outdoor 
competition, hopefully this summer, because actually, personally, I'd like to try it as well. But um, I'm trying to get my women used to like shot timers. Um, and I'd like to expose them to it as well. Good. Well, we've got a uh, great American shooting competition, something coming up in May out of Camp Atterbury in Indiana, which is only about an hour or so away from me. So maybe, maybe you can come out there and do that. That would be, that's a uh, fun right. event. I, w- I would really like that. I, ha- I have to start looking for my women there, start looking at some competitions in the area. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that's a little for, that's a little, you know, bit of a drive from New Jersey, but at the same time, it, you know, you get great experience, uh, doing that. Well, even for, you know, self-defense, I'm, I try to get them to think that, you know, self-defense is not going to happen, um, you know, behind a bench in a static stall. <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. And every time I bring the shot timer out at the end of one of our classes, they all roll their eyes. So, but I'm like, this, you know, could happen in real life where you might feel confused like this. We did one drill, a telephone drill, and um, they had to shoot uh, like their uh, area code. Then they had to do a mag change and then they had to shoot their exchange, another mag change. And we did it a few times. But, you know, as soon as I threw a shot timer in there, you know how many of them forgot their phone numbers? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is what it's like. So yep. I'd like to get competitions and, and, you know, expose them to that. Yep. It's the same thing when you start doing a little bit of force on force. Um, I use airsoft and people can run the range. Great. But as soon as you go along, it's like, okay, now we're going to go sterile environment. And we're going to do airsoft force on force. Uh, you know, they're. They're guessing about when they should draw, when they shouldn't draw, uh, you know, and all these different things that I, I believe really helps to cement things in, in their mind because none of us walk around, you know, all the time, you know, waiting for somebody to draw on us. So when somebody does, I'll, you know, it surprises us and that surprise requires us to go into an automatic mode and figure out what are we going to do? Do we sit there and, you know, put our arms up? Do we seek cover? Do we, you know, fire back doing all those, all those kind of things. And you don't get that unless you, you know, have some kind of stressor on you. Straight shot timer is great for that. Go and do force on force is great for it also, but just doing something besides standing at a bench and shooting a static target. Yes. And taking your time doing it. Um, it's not bullseye shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they have to understand that as well. Um, but yeah, if you're not exposed to it, when the time comes, you're not going to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or it's going to take you too long to figure out what to do because you're sitting there going through the options versus going along and saying, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's, uh, you know, the exact same thing that I went along and, uh, told people mm-hmm. when it came to in out by Indianapolis, Greenwood mall shooting, Elijah Dickinson, uh, two years or a year and a half ago at this point, And he took out a gunman in the, in the food court. Yes. Well, he, with, with the shots he took and everything, he didn't have a whole lot of time to decide and look who else was around or, and do different things like that. He had to make a decision immediately so that he could stop the sh- shooting before it became a massacre there. And, you know, thanks to Elijah Dickinson, he did it, executed uh, you know, shot 10 rounds from as far away as 43, uh, yards away. 
And that was, uh, you know, quite, quite an accomplishment to say the least. Oh, he saved many lives that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll never know for sure. And I'm glad we'll never know, but at the same time, it, it goes along, reinforces the need to be able to perform under pressure and, uh, and a moment's notice. Absolutely. You never want to say what if. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's where, you know, mass shootings the school shootings, uh, you know, all those different things that happen. Um, we know how bad it can be. And you know, what I go along and tell people, if we know how bad it can be, then why don't we do something to make it as good as it can be, you know, from the standpoint of making sure that the, the evil people never make it in there to injure the people, injure the kids, those type of, uh, attitudes. Oh, absolutely. I agree mm -hmm. with you. There. Uh, well, Lorraine, you're a fairly new instructor and such. Do you have some recommendations on how new instructors, uh, I would say specifically female instructors, how, you know, what, what are your words of encouragement to get them into doing more in the shooting sports? Okay. So, um, first off is get your training. Um, you know, your, uh, basic pistol, your basic rifle. Um, and the way I started was I did that and I became a range officer. Um, but there are many different avenues, um, that there are many different avenues. Um, you could, to become an instructor, I shadowed somebody at the range where I work. Um, I mean, you can volunteer your time. You could even volunteer your time, like at some of these indoor competitions or the NRA competitions. Um, and you can see what that is like. Um, join a women's organization. As I said before, there's armed women of America. There's shoot like a girl. Um, there's a girl in a gun. There's many women organizations out there that are willing to, um, train you to shoot. They will also groom you to be an instructor. Um, and then from there, if you wanted to go out on your own, you wanted to become instructor for one of these women's groups. Um, I, I, I recommend all of those ways. Mm -hmm. And I just went along, pulled up the, uh, camp Atterbury, um, national, uh, matches that they're having. And mm -hmm. I'm going to go along, include those in the show notes. So that those that might be interested in volunteering, helping out, uh, doing those types of things, um, you've got, you've got a quick way of finding those resources because as, um, as I always go, go along, tell people, um, uh, you can gain a lot, a lot of experience being around other, uh, people in the, in the 2A community, but you also go along and build that networking for it. Uh, this week was a shot show. I really wish I could have made shot show because looking at everybody's Instagram and Facebook, uh, miss meeting a lot of people, but at the same time, uh, I've got a nine to five that I gotta, gotta do. And, uh, that's just the way things are, but it's, um, mm -hmm. it's a great way to, uh, network and find, find out that you probably are pretty much more normal than what you think you are because everybody had, a, ha, everybody has to start someplace and everybody's looking to figure out, okay, how do I go along and get better? I mean, there's only one national champ, uh, when it comes to, you know, all the shooting and, uh, it's just one of those, uh, things that we're, I'm constantly working on trying to make connections and, uh, podcast helps, but at the same time, just getting out to 
conferences, expos, training uh, is probably a bigger source of uh, source of meeting people in the industry. Um, yeah, about last August, I was out at the uh, National Convention for All Women of America. That was out in uh, Branson, Missouri. Um, and I met, oh my gosh, uh, wonderful people out there. Um, of course, Lena Mikulek was there. Um, and I got to speak with her. Um, and, uh, oh, I met Dan Schilling, the author. Uh, he was a great speaker. Uh, Elizabeth McCormick, a great speaker. Um, I was, took the cert, uh, course from Mike Hughes and I would took a course from Mike Seeklander and just going to these functions um and by just by meeting these people um you just learn so much um so that's another way to um get into there are so many different avenues you know whether you want women or men um do you want to be an instructor do you want to get into competition shooting um do you want to be a range officer um, there were so many avenues. And when you start in this, um, in this journey, I, like me personally, I never expected to be an instructor. Uh, I never expected to go down that road. Um, and I have fun with the competitions and I have fun with all the uh, different avenues, but once you get started, you don't know where you're going to end up in this and how many lives you're going to touch. Um, they say the people in the shooting uh, industry are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. They take you under your wing. Uh, it's true. It's true. You go to these competitions, they'll bend over backwards to help you. Um, the, uh, you go to these classes. If you're, you know, a little bit slower than everybody else, they're totally willing to help you catch up and, and show you what you need to do. Mm -hmm. We all started someplace and that was, you know, with somebody saying this is a gun and then showing you, how to handle it properly. Things were not born with that knowledge for it, That's for sure. Well, Lorraine in uh season six, we've been asking everybody this special question, which um, I know you weren't, you were expecting our book question, but today we're, we're going to go along season six. We got to stay consistent with season six. What would you like to be remembered for when you pass away? Um, I would like to be remembered by, all the people that I have trained, whether as a range officer or in one of my classes, um, was that I was just able to make them feel more confident about protecting themselves. Even if it's not with firearms, if it's situational awareness um, or other non-lethal ways, I just would like them to know, I'd like for them to remember me by them just feeling more confident about themselves, walking with their head a little bit higher and not being afraid, not being afraid to maybe learn how to use a firearm, but learning how to protect themselves in other ways. Um, and that they actually could even have fun with firearms. There's really no reason to be afraid of firearms. Mm -hmm. Yep. Some of those drills you were talking about doing your phone numbers on the targets and such, uh, that can be a lot of fun for it because, uh, you time it and then you make it, you know, if you can do it in five seconds and try to make it do it in four seconds and three. And if you've got other people around you and you got a little competition going, it really does drive <laughs> you to do better for it uh, and such. It's uh, one of the things where uh, I've got a target. I forget what the targets uh, talk, but it's 
six blocks or six shapes, three different colors, six different numbers mm-hmm. and go along and, I, and you have people shoot colors. You have people shoot, shoot shapes. And then you have people shoot the numbers. Well, the one thing's, you know, once they get that all done and they can just boom, 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 then I tell them we're going to start doing addition. And remember I said it's one through six and you give somebody like an eight or a seven and because an eight can be a two and a six, it can be two fours, it can be a three and a five, all these different kind of combinations that they've got a process in their brain before they squeeze the trigger. And that's, that's where it can really make it tough. And uh, I've only had a couple of people that have been able to go along and have them do a multiplication, which is really <laughs> interesting because when you, when you go along and you say something like 36, they got to be sitting there saying that is, you know, four times nine, six times, six, you know, they got to go through all these combinations in the, in the brain before, again, they squeeze that trigger. So good, good stuff. Yeah. I've um, done that as well on the, on that target as well. And I've asked questions where the ladies would have different answers, like how many kids do you have or something like that. So some of them aren't shooting and the ladies next to them are confused why they're shooting and the person next to them is not shooting. And they have to get it through their head that they have to think for themselves on their feet. Yep. And it's all going to be a very personal and situational too. What might be a threat to me may not be a threat to you. Or I might mm-hmm. shoot once, but you might have to shoot eight times, you know, something like that. And that's where, again, making sure that we don't create training scars uh, in how we go along and tell people to, you know, shoot to the chest and one of the head. Well, if that's the only thing we do, we take three shots every time the, the buzzer goes off, then that might be a training scar that we shoot somebody three times for no other reason, because that's where we've always shot it. But if we go along and force people to think about you know, okay, why am I shooting? And is it still a threat? Then they understand it might be no shots. It might be five shots or it might be 15 shots, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are always like, you know, it wouldn't take that many. It's like, well, it all depends. It all depends. depends. Shoot all depends. till you, shoot till your threats, not shooting back anymore. Yep. And, uh, get your butt out of there as quickly as you can. Uh, Lorraine, where can, uh, where can people find more out about what you're doing with the girl behind the gun and with the uh, Armed Women of America? Okay, well, the Armed Women of America, their website is armedwomen.org. Um, and we have chapters throughout the country. There is a zip code finder on the website. So you can put in your zip code and it will tell you um, all the chapters in your area with a certain amount of, within a certain amount of miles. Um, you can find more about me actually at thegirlbehindthegun.com. And you can find my classes listed at shootingclasses.com backslash the girl behind the gun. Uh, we run, we usually average one beginner class in pistol every month. We have some situational awareness classes listed right now, children's classes. Um, and I'm still working on my schedule. We're booking into March right now. Okay. Well, that is good. Get your schedules out there. Well, again, Lorraine, appreciate your time tonight and, uh, everybody who's listening, get out there, train a little bit and pass the good, good word on to other people and help them by getting certified. So. Absolutely. Getting certified is nothing to be afraid of. It is actually enjoyable to do. Good. Well, have a good night and stay safe. Thank you, Rob. You have a good night too.
That's a wrap for this episode, and I hope you got some good information about Lorraine and the need to uh, just put yourself out there and start making a go at it. Uh, she started off and wasn't sure what she's going to do, and look at her now. Um, she's got a thriving business for it. I'd also like to point out that Lorraine reached out to me and thought there was a compelling story there for what she's done. Uh, if you've got a compelling story as an instructor and want to uh, talk to your fellow instructors by being on the podcast, drop me a line, Facebook, uh, on uh, email. Any of those uh, will work. Uh, email is ftp at concealedcarry.com. And uh, we'll talk. We'll make sure there's something there that will be interest to other instructors. And then we will get you scheduled. Always appreciate listeners uh, reaching out because I do not have the market cornered on interesting ideas all the time for it. And I appreciate the help from the listeners. If you're searching for information, feel free to go to our website www.farmtrainerpodcast.com and search for whatever topic you want to in the upper right-hand corner. Remember, follow us on Facebook. Check us out on Live Fire. We're also on Instagram and on Twitter, or what used to be known as Twitter. It's now X. Uh, go out there, share the post with other instructors, uh, add your comments to what we post out there, and let us know what you think for it. Also, remember to support our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association at FDAProtect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Once you get established, your next step has to be getting insurance for you and your students' sake. And remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every farm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.